Hello and Happy New Year. I'm Tony Collins and this is the Rugby Reloaded podcast. This week I'm going to look at the history of the Rugby League Challenge Cup. Ironically, in the week that the FA Cup brings in its top sides for its third round, the Challenge Cup has exploded in controversy due to the Rugby Football League's decision to ask the current Challenge Cup holders, Catalan Dragons, to pay a bond of half a million pounds before they are allowed to compete in this year's tournament. The Challenge Cup, as for many people, is part of my own life. 1969-70 was the first season that my dad took me to watch Hull KR. I can still remember how it felt to be crammed in with 16,000 other people at the Old Craven Park to watch Rovers overcome the favourites lead 7-2 to reach the semi-final. My first experience of sporting elation was quickly followed by its twin, total dejection, when Rovers lost to Wigan in the semi-final at Headingley. And, again like many other people in the North, my first visit to the Challenge Cup final at Wembley in 1974 was also my first ever visit to London. Experiences like mine helped the Challenge Cup to play a central role in rugby league ever since the tournament kicked off in 1897 in the Northern Union's second season after the split from Rugby Union. The leaders of the Northern Union understood the importance of cup competitions in fostering rivalries and memories that helped build support for the game. After all, it had been the start of the Yorkshire Cup in 1877 that had kick-started the popularity of rugby across Yorkshire. The Northern Union had also seen how the popularity of the FA Cup propelled soccer to become the national sport, and how the RFU's refusal to create its own national knockout cup competition gave the FA an unassailable advantage. Closer to home, they also saw that the Lancashire Rugby Union's failure to start its own cup competition had been a key factor in cities like Liverpool and Manchester switching from being hotbeds of rugby to become strongholds of soccer. So the creation of the Challenge Cup and the hope that it would become rugby's version of the FA Cup played a crucial role in consolidating and developing rugby league in its early years. The first tournament kicked off on the 20th of March 1897 with 52 clubs, effectively every club then playing the Northern Union version of football. The first winners were Batley, who beat St Helens 10-3 at Headingley. They repeated the feat in 1898 in front of what was then probably a world record crowd for rugby of almost 28,000 people, defeating Bradford 7-0. By 1899, there were 87 clubs in the tournament, so a preliminary round was introduced. It's also worth noting that, at this time, each round of the Cup was played on a successive weekend in March and April, although there was a three-week gap between the semi-finals and the finals, adding to the sense of drama unfolding. The template for the Challenge Cup was now set. In 1929, as we saw in episode 23 of Rugby Reloaded, the final was moved to the brand new Wembley Stadium to put the game in the national spotlight. This was one of the most revolutionary moves that the RFL would make. It was only during World War II, when the cup final was moved back up north, and from 2000 to 2006, when the stadium was being rebuilt, that the cup final was moved away from Wembley. From the late 1930s, as crowds began to increase, Cup Final Day became a festival of rugby league. The one day of the year when rugby league would be treated as a national sport by the media, and a gathering point for fans of all clubs, regardless who was actually playing in the final. In the vast majority of seasons, amateur sides were welcomed into the Cup and many giant killing acts took place. As rugby league expanded geographically, so did the teams entering, most notably perhaps in 2001 when Russian sides Kazan Arrows and Lokomotiv Moscow took part. But since the tournament returned to Wembley in 2007, the Challenge Cup has seemed to be in decline. The stadium has never been sold out and crowds have dropped alarmingly. 
the financial losses that the RFL has suffered from low Wembley crowds have led it to demand those six-figure bonds from non-British clubs to enter. Clearly, the cup final is now approaching an inflection point in its history. It's worth pointing out that it's not just the Challenge Cup that has lost its luster. People have also been saying the same thing about the FA Cup. In fact, in The Guardian last week, Paul Wilson wrote about how the FA Cup has lost its sense of community and tradition and is no longer the tournament that brings everyone in football together. This is obviously, in part, due to the fact that the Premier League pays the bills of the top clubs and, in some senses, the Champions League has replaced the FA Cup as the cup final that climaxes the season. But there are other factors that have reduced the attractiveness of the FA Cup. The fact that you can pretty much see all the big clubs' matches on TV means that the old thrill of being able to see a top side in the flesh at your side's local ground has diminished. More importantly, the FA Cup is no longer a single-focused event. Not so long ago, the first Saturday of the new year was dominated by the third round of the FA Cup. Now it stretches over four days, losing its dramatic impact. And of course, the fact that Wembley itself now stages semi-finals, playoffs, and for the moment at least, spares home matches undermines the uniqueness of what used to be known as the trip to the Twin Towers. However, organising a knockout competition is a very hard piece of work. There are few other soccer-playing countries where the cup tournament is seen as being on a similar level to the National League, and there are no major rugby union-playing nations that have knockout tournaments. The RFU has abandoned the competition that became famous as the Pilkington Cup in the 1980s and the 1990s. And Australian Rugby League has never seen the need for an FA Cup-style tournament either. All of the factors that have led to the decline of the FA Cup, with the obvious exception of the Champions League, apply equally as well to the Challenge Cup. But in Rugby League, the Cup final has been further undermined by it being moved from its traditional first Saturday in May to the August bank holiday. Moreover, rounds seem to be organised with no rhythm or apparent logic. For example, last year's two-month gap between the quarterfinals and the semi-finals, followed by a three-week rush to the final. The sense that the Cup is a traditional and national event has, to a large extent, been lost. More particularly for Rugby League, the Cup final has also lost the idea that it is the traditional day out for all Rugby League supporters. Going to Wembley was the one day of the year where supporters came from every league playing town and club. By the 1980s, it became a popular pastime to count the number of different team shirts worn by spectators. It didn't matter if your team was playing or not. The Challenge Cup final was the day out for everyone. It became a badge of honour for many people to maintain an unbroken run of cup final attendances. But that unique cup final experience has been cannibalised by the Magic Weekend, which began in 2007. The weekend away in Cardiff, Manchester, Newcastle or this year in Liverpool has now become what Wembley once was, the place where fans of all clubs come together. It even takes place a couple of weeks after the traditional date of the cup final. But it isn't quite the same because only Super League clubs can compete and the rest of the game's clubs continue playing on that weekend. So the traditional appeal of Wembley is being undermined by an event that is not its equal, but does not offer anything bigger or more innovative. And of course, there is also the question of Wembley Stadium itself. The RFL took the Challenge Cup to Wembley in 1929 as a revolutionary step forward to give Rugby League a national platform in the biggest and best stadium in England. But Wembley is no longer even the best stadium in London, let alone Britain. It has undermined its own unique place in the national culture by overuse and its chequered commercial history. So perhaps now is the time that the RFL took a leap from its forebears and took another revolutionary leap into the future. 
they could follow the lead of the NFL Super Bowl and take the Challenge Cup final to a different state-of-the-art stadium each year. That way, the Challenge Cup final's original sense of adventure of visiting a new city could be revived and would be a new experience every year. So maybe the future of the Challenge Cup is to go back in history and follow the lead of the innovative leaders of the game who established the cup and who were not afraid to change, and so ensured its success throughout the 20th century. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Rugby Reloaded podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my name is at Tony. And if you want to dig a bit deeper into the history of rugby and the other football codes, take a look at the Rugby Reloaded website at www.rugbyreloaded.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.